Welcome to episode 59 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and I finally figured out we actually weren't on the iHeart Podcast Network right after we recorded the last batch. Oh, was that? The, that's why I saw that email. I was like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we went through a full year and we're not on iHeart because I never clicked the button on it. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I don't know. Does so that? welcome to the iHeart yeah. people. I mean, I think iHeart's ranked as like number three in terms of podcast networks, in terms of oh, okay. in terms of viewership and such, so or okay. listenership. So yeah. Okay. Hey, welcome. I know things. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rod. For you, iHeart people, I'm a musician, so you may may have heard me, probably not, but may have heard me on there. Cyclops is waiting for me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men animated series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, coming to Disney Plus later this year. We're like months away, technically, hopefully. I think we're going to see something at Mm Comic-Con as like the the big reveal. Like, I think that's because they last year, that's where they showed the images for the first time. Yeah, I think San Diego is where we get the trailer. That'd be cool. Yeah. Some quick reminders, we are a recap show about a series that came out now over 30 years ago. There will be spoilers. If you don't want it spoiled for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and then come back. We will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet, which is a diminishing number at this point. We are... Like, you know, we're in season five right now. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot to say, yeah, welcome to the final season where it got weird. We're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, shape or form. We're doing our best to keep it that way. (laughs) And don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So for reading about or re- reacting to any news or about, reading yeah about the upcoming series will be a few weeks behind and speaking of being behind on stuff we do have some listeners on youtube so this is way back so sorry brian for such a late reply but this is the first one we're recording since we recorded that episode and i'm just gonna blind read this i read it back when you posted it but i haven't since so i figured out what it was but i think it was a good conversation it should actually be more than a year that everything's taken place jubilee joined the x-men before senator kelly declared his candidacy for president he would have been elected in November and then taking office the following January. So the Christmas episode saying Jubilee spending her first Christmas with the team is erroneous because she would have already had a Christmas as a member of the team. Valid. So yeah. let's assume it's an 18 month window, right? <laughs> as which all still then fits into Brian's, which is totally logical and, and fits. Yeah. And I guess if you yeah. want, if you want to explain it away in universe, it could have been like, well, she was so new at that point that they weren't really, you know, celebrating. Or maybe she still hung out with the foster family that we saw something. off camera kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Or they were busy dying and they just chose that adventure. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe that was when the Dark Phoenix was hit. I mean, you know, no, there's. Yeah. Oh, that would have been sad. The Dark Phoenix saga happened at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I know it doesn't work from the President Kelly scenario still, yeah. but yeah, that's pretty sad. But good, yeah, good job, Brian. The, the President Kelly thing was a good marker for the timeline. But on to the show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 1, titled The Phalanx Covenant Part 1, aired on September 7th of 1996. This was a back-to-back, by the way. This one and the, the Part 2 aired on the same day. Oh, interesting. Yep. This one currently sits at a 7.7 star rating on IMDb. I didn't remember a lot of the episodes of season five and the later airing ones until I went back. I remember the hell out of this episode okay. and like remembered watching it as a kid. So even though it was one of the later airings when I was not watching Saturday morning cartoons as much, I still very much remember crossing paths with this episode. I remember this, the character Warlock that we're going to see in this episode, but I don't know if I necessarily remember this story. 
So it, it, it may have just been in, I, w- I hadn't stopped watching it yet. Right. But I wasn't paying attention as much. <laughs> I mean, Warlock is a pretty standout character. I mean, just even the way they speak. Yeah. You know, they, they do what we would later see in Mass Effect. Like there was the alien race where instead of, just asking the question, they started off with like inquiry. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like Tron language. <laughs> I mean, he, he is a biological robot. So this episode kicks off, there is no previously on, but we get this is new intro episode. Yeah, I don't like this one. It feels like it starts on the wrong beat. <laughs> like it's very jarring when it starts, instead of revving up, it's like, you know, I don't know. Starts off the episode with a truck. A calamari truck. But who's calamari? Oh, no, I paid attention. See, I'm always trying to pay attention to details, and I took the wrong notes. I said, Sabretooth attacking calamari trucks. It's So it's a reference we've heard before in the show. Joe Calamari, who is one of the executive producers of the show. Oh, so It, it was Joe's Calamari. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Okay, I was like, oh, it w- I would really have messed up if it wasn't actually a calamari truck. No, no, you, okay. you, no you're right. But it was it was specifically Joe's calamari, which is the reference gotcha. to it. Which we would then later see the the truck in the episode again, but we'll talk about that He's later. He's got a monopoly on calamari in town. Yeah, but yes, to your point, Sabretooth is ripping through the truck in front of the cops. I think we have to make some assumptions that, you know, with the end of Beyond Good and Evil, there's been at least a little bit of a time jump here mm-hmm. that all of a sudden, like, all these players are now back in new places. Like, I think we have to accept that there has been, like, because if this was even a week or two later, I feel like that would be a little bit of a of a negative on the ability for this team to stop anybody from doing anything ever. Yeah, especially of how Professor Xavier handles things here in a little bit. We'd yeah. be like, man, I we know that you're a little forgiving, but this would just be, like, really bad leadership and dumb. Right. Cuts to Jubilee and Beast, and they're in the Blackbird, and they make sure to point out that they purposely left Wolverine behind. Yeah. <laughs> Which I get because they... They're trying a different method of not confronting Sabretooth like head to head. But still, it's like, man, like you guys, if he gets you, you're dead. Like he's going to rip out your throats. (laughs) I also thought that part of the conversation would have been like, we're going to really like lock him away this time, right? (laughs) One would think. But then they actually reused footage from episode one with the the car being thrown. Okay, so I just thought it looked similar. So it was actually the same. I mean, it literally, (laughs) for me, like I didn't compare the two shots, shot to shot. I saw it from an overhead. It was that angle. And then it was the car spinning as it was going to the camera. Yeah. So unless they did the old school Disney thing of just trace it and put different colors on it, it, I think it was the same footage. That tracks, you know, Saban saved money. Right. (laughs) But like we were saying, they're taking a little bit of an alternate route, which is tranquilizing gas on Sabretooth. And they actually gas the citizens. And, I was say, and everybody. I love how Beast is like, it's gentler on the civilians. I was like, but, but, okay. but you're also gassing them, dude. Hey, that's, I mean, I know this is the adults talking and not like, you know, kid logic, but like, we know as adults, like, that still could be potentially harmful depending on your health. Yeah, if you have asthma. <laughs> Something. But okay. Also, where you're passing out, especially if you're running. I mean, yes. <laughs> also, those people should have been farther away from Sabretooth at this point. Yeah, right. <laughs> at this point, you should not be that close to the rampaging lunatic. I guess, though, as far as showing growth with the X-Men, as opposed to like where they previously would have just fired projectiles at somebody like that, it's like, okay, well, this kind of makes lasers. A more sense. They don't. They yeah, don't. Yeah, laser. yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Sh- they don't have missiles that they shoot at people. They blow stuff up with gas and TNT. Yeah. Right. So this does luckily knock out Sabretooth. They bring him to the mansion. And at least they put him in shackles this time. Like, he was, yeah. like, locked down. You know, that actually made me think of something else. 
the amount of gas they would have to use to knock out Sabretooth we should kill everyone else. I was going to say, what 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 effect does that have on everybody else? <laughs> Heightened metabolism. <Okay. laughs> you're you're not wrong. So okay. Beast killed a street full of people, yeah. <laughs> and then you get to Xavier. And then I think, Rod, to your point, if you want to touch on it, Xavier's like, well, if we can't get through this time, we're going to have to give him to the authorities. Yeah, like, or you could just give him to the authorities or lock him down. Because, yeah, because it's it's been at least three times now that they've had him in the mansion. There was the, the, early, the early episode. Then he was definitely locked down in the Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. That, yeah, that was the one where Wolverine fucked him up, right? To get information. Yeah, he beat him up. Yeah, there was a time when Wolverine was like, well, we have to forgive, you know, my arch enemy, but then we have to go after Magneto. Right. I think Sabretooth was in the mansion being, like, rehabilitated mm-hmm. when they got sent out to go get Magneto. Right. <laughs> At least this time they decide to lock him up, and they do acknowledge that this is going to start a war if Wolverine finds out. Yeah. But at least they give him an eight-hour sedative. I was say, that's the famous last words, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Also, also, the sedative doesn't even work for that time period. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I would wait and see because you yeah. know that this this guy doesn't have standard metabolism. He's going yeah. to work this off. Like to your point with the gas, how much gas did you have to put in him? <laughs> and also, does that mean that those people on the street are out cold for eight hours? Yeah. Well, at yeah. minimum. Yeah. Well, in that pro- like almost certainly more, right? Because it puts right. out a dude that can instantaneously heal for eight hours then these people are going to be out there for like a week. Yeah, they're all in comas right now. <laughs> it's like, you know, anesthesia and, and stuff. If you put too much, you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, but then you see the eyes yeah. open and they go, I put eyes go computer was yeah, my note. Yeah. It was like, a, like they glow, but like yellow. And then I think you had mentioned before Matrix. Yeah. So like there's a shot before, of the years before the Matrix. Happened. Yeah. There's a shot of the war room. And basically it was a Matrix style effect of like, all of a sudden these yellow lines start popping up and it's 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 a little bit like sigils and glyphs it's not you know human language or you know numbers counting and then the download screen starts and you cut over and jubilee is talking to storm as she walks into the kitchen and drops sabertooth's name maybe don't shout this down the hallway yeah, although to Jubilee's credit, earlier she was like, we should probably tell Wolverine, right? So she was probably like looking for half excuses to... You th- you think it was like unconsciously she thought this was a good idea and, it, Maybe, you know, Freudian slipped it? Or, you know, she's a teenager. She's probably not working hard to hide it <laughs> at the very least. She definitely wasn't working hard to hide it. Because <laughs> she's also, you know, she still presumably idolizes Wolverine. Yeah. So she's like, we should probably tell him about the guy that tried to kill him that's in the building. Wolverine is, of course, in the kitchen, hears it, freaks out, and then... They know that Professor is in the gym. By the way, did you see how much Rogue was lifting in the gym? I didn't, but because I, I was so I was so enamored by the types of workouts that Xavier was doing. So before they got over to Xavier for yeah. his full workout, she was lifting like it looked like she was doing like the thing where you're holding on and you're just moving your shoulders up okay, and down, yeah. whatever that's called, because we don't work out. And she was lifting 65 tons. Oh, dang. That's what it said on the on the screen. All right, and once again, adults watching, I'm like, Did break through the floor? <laughs> you have but, to reinforce the yeah, floor. Right. Yeah, yeah, because you would think if she does that, then all of a sudden she would just push her legs through the right. floor. Yeah. Obviously, it's not 65 tons of weight, but if it's that's how much pressure she has to exert, yeah. she would just go through the floor. But then what you were enamored with... Yeah, it was Xavier because it's never, you know, they never in the show, in the, the animated series, go get quite clear about exactly what his injury entails. You know, we just know that he doesn't walk. Right. We don't know 
exactly how much but he he seems to have movement in his hips because of the way he's on the bars is because he moves yeah. his legs up and down and stuff which is an interesting detail for them to to use and also probably if he wasn't working out before he was probably motivated now because he's gotten knocked out of that hover chair so many times too many times because <laughs> he backflips into the thing <laughs> side flip side okay. yeah but, but also but also he's like yoked out like yeah. crazy yeah it's like oh Okay, we were impressed by Magneto when he was getting his clothes ripped. This was like, okay, Professor yeah. X, you know, he must have seen Magneto and right. he felt jealous on it. And also, we mentioned how old Magneto was, like how old Xavier yeah. is. <laughs> he was in the 50s when he was in college. What was it? Was it 59? Yeah. So 59, and this happens 59, in 96, five, five ish. Six. Yeah. Yeah. He's in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> For any age. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like it's way better than we are now. Yeah. <laughs> We're 20 years younger than what that character is. So, yeah, Wolverine comes in and basically threatens that he's going to go kill Sabretooth. Which, yeah, do it. Like, cause what reason do you have to keep him there? I mean, Wolverine's like, we've tried this a bunch of times and you've not succeeded. Like, at some point, I'm just going to put a claw through his head if yeah. I have to. If Beast can kill a whole street full of civilians, I can kill this one guy. <laughs> Who they didn't even deserve it. Yeah. He then is pissed off and stabs through the door, but it you know, comes to the, the, the scenario of like, all right, well, if he's here, I'm going to be his guard. Yeah. Xavier's like, nah. <laughs> Which may, meant nothing. Yeah. Then you see more hacking. Oh, yeah, yeah. They go back to that war room scene. Yeah. Wolverine goes over to the door or the, the cell yeah, it was a cell door. Yeah, yeah whatever the... Yeah, the force field that's keeping him in. And Wolverine's mouth had an animation error where his whole front was like covered in yellow and such. So they just definitely didn't define the the end line of that spot. Which is funny because it wouldn't have been like a potential detail in any other episode except for the episode where like the aliens that possess people's bodies turn yellow. Right. It's just like... Wait, is Wolverine a fan? <laughs> nope. Sabretooth starts going at Wolverine verbally, mentions Silver Fox, knowing mm-hmm. that that's like, oh, okay, there's there's yeah. a thing that I can use to trigger you, and it's going to be her. Yeah, and um, it's fairly recent. Yeah, and, you know, especially in the, the script order, how recent that was. Yeah. That was only, you know, a, like eight or nine episodes ago at mm-hmm. most. And then Wolverine smells whatever it is. It's not Sabretooth, opens the door, and then jumps into the fight. Yeah, <laughs> just like it did before. Yeah, very, very on brand for him. Yeah. Although I will say the the last one was a little more like calm, scary. This was just like feral rage. Yeah, yeah. Especially because we don't we don't know what Wolverine smells. I mean, we know he says that it's not Sabretooth, but you always like wonder like what that signals to him. Like what, you know, is there a threatening smell? Is what, a- what does it smell like is what I'm curious because we yeah. know. Obviously, like there's no, there's nothing to hide from a spoiler. It's literally called the Phalanx Covenant. Yeah. What does a Phalanx smell like? <laughs> this is a million dollar question. I am. It, we'll put we'll put this up on clips, and yeah. maybe I can put your theories in the comments. My theory: it smells like a combination of oil, and then have you ever plugged in something and the the outlet sparks and there's that little like, like metallic yeah. scent? It's a combination of those two things. Yeah, like an oil can and then like an electric burn. Yeah, yeah, or like yeah, and it's probably very similar. Like when you have like a like your old Game Boy or something, and like something would burn out on it. My Game Boy to this day still works perfectly. I said Game Boy, but I don't actually know if it was Game Boy. So one of like the old like handheld things from like Tiger Electronics, maybe. Oh my god, yeah, definitely. Well, 
He's, maybe because that those only had batteries in it, but it's like something you plug into the wall that had a high chance of like overloading. Mm, like maybe a Game Gear, <laughs> Game Gear probably. Yeah, because none of those are around anymore. It just got thrown into a landfill next to all the fire. I agree with the ozone thing though, because especially because it's 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 like this techno organic thing that's always going through like metal conduits, mm-hmm. and so it would make sense for it to have that like burning smell. Right. Back to the mansion. Xavier gets an unknown caller. I love the technology that these yeah. guys have because at this point. That was still super futuristic that somebody could just like FaceTime you essentially. Yeah. And I love that it's like a FaceTime slash Zoom, but still on a CRT screen that has tracking lines. And also, <laughs> like it's a it's it's like an old school CRT. Like that was a yeah. big fucking monitor. It was also a huge monitor too. Like yeah. <laughs> in relation to his desk, that was like a 36 inch monitor. Yeah. It was just what he lifts, you know, to work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also love how it, you know, these are obviously it's kind of like when you know, there's like a brick in the wall and animation that you know it's going to be moved later. Right. It's stuff that's for us, but not for the characters. Like Professor Xavier's like, who is this? Who is this? And we all can just see the set, the outline of it's, the character. It's literally a Dora <laughs> the Explorer moment yeah. where it's like we're yelling at the TV because Professor X doesn't know. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, it's like, let's deduce how many villains have like high collars <laughs> and like extra extravagant capes yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. It's like, cool, the the two people with capes are Magneto and Sinister, and this doesn't sound like Magneto. (laughs) But yeah, so the the we don't know it's Sinister, Sinister is begging for help, mentioned that there's a being of immense power. He says they're inside the walls, which- Yeah, that's wild. Inside the walls, to me, I feel like that's a quote from a horror movie or something like that, and I just can't place the movie. Same. I had a couple of those, and I don't know if it was this episode or the next one, but in this series where they quoted something, I was like, oh, I know that's a quote from something. There is another one that is an exact quote. I know exactly the one you're talking about. We will get to that, though. And mentioning that it's consuming matter and blah, blah, blah. And as that is happening, Professor gets grabbed by a coil. And that's really the first time in this episode we see the mm-hmm. the coil of the phalanx. Yeah, yeah. Because the Sinister is like, watch out behind you. Then that's the moment, or that, that whole call, but especially that moment, it's like, man, how freaky must this thing be for Sinister to call Xavier for help? You know? Like, and not just call him for help, he's scared. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and also like try to save him from that situation. Yeah. Like, yeah in in every other circumstance. The only reason Sinister would want to save Xavier would be if he needs him alive for his own purposes. Yeah. This is like, oh, no, if you die, I'm screwed. Yeah. Jump over. Beast is, is in, like, one of the, the lounge rooms. And then the assimilation starts to move into that room. Yeah, destroys his turntable. It's tragic. <laughs> yeah, he's he's listening to jazz or yeah, whatever yeah, he's it was. Yeah, vibing to jazz. And, and to... I mean, lucky for him, it decided to grab the music first as opposed to him. Otherwise, he would have had no signal for it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the distortion of the music, which is what pops him to, you know, being in the moment. Yeah, yeah, it took away his vibe. Yep. And this is the first time we actually see the phalanx begin to form. Uh, Like a humanoid. Yeah, into, into a humanoid shape. Knows that his name is McCoy. He starts to escape. And as he's doing so, the phalanx pops in through the wall sockets and starts racing down the hallway faster than Beast. They have long hallways in the mansion. We established that in a previous episode where they were like bounding down the hallway. Yeah, it's and like Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's just <laughs> the longest. I mean, it, to, to its credit, it is a mansion, so yeah. I get it. But still, that's a big fucking mansion. And like the geography always changes. So they're passing like the sixth war room on the way down. Yep. That's why everybody's always late going to those war room meetings. They're like, it was it one, two, three, four, or five in Annex B area. 
and they always look the same. All the war rooms are designed to look the same yeah. from a functional purpose, but you never know which one you have to go to. Yeah, they're like, we're going to the one with the wall that's exposed to the outside. Someone needs to break in later. Yeah, Beast gets to the, the foyer and sees all the X-Men are effectively in like egg sacks. Like yeah, that was yeah. the best way I could describe it. They're like alien pods or something. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Wolverine is the only one who's not in, in one fully and he's fighting back and like slashing at the tentacles and things like that and wolverine basically says no run away go get help help. like you're gonna get snagged if you try to get me out of this thing because once you see all the other guys especially the characters they do have like if you have xavier in there and gene yeah like you're like um and rogue and like i'm screwed because those are the things that i would deduce like is this like a telepathic thing a physical thing it's like this covered all of them yeah and wolverine's like pretty much He's, he's already at, at his last leg. Beast decides to go in a different direction, grabs his backpack because I love that. he needs the Shi'ar backpack, yeah. man. I love how it's kind of like Gambit and his cards and staff or something like that. It's just it's just his accessory now. But unlike Gambit, Gambit could always just have those like in his pocket. Yeah. This is like, he has to go out of his way to get it because it's like, <laughs> it would be weird if he was running around the mansion on a regular day with that on him. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like Gambit definitely always just has a pack of cards and he has the the expandable staff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've seen the real life version of those. They're fucking dangerous because God forbid one of those expands and I hits mean, you in the face. Stab you, yeah. Well, not even a stab you. That's like a bludgeon, man. Like yeah. that'll fuck you up. <laughs> but he could literally have that in his pocket too. Yeah. So I just mean like an accessory, an accessory that's kind of become his person, part of his personality. Well, you also needed something to go with the toy. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, was did that come with the toy? One of the toys that, he did. That makes sense. Yeah. But as he's running out of a room, he literally drops a grenade behind him, <laughs> and it's like, okay, like no amount of thinking is going to get us. No. Nope. I was like, all right, we're just going to assume everybody's been taken, and you know, hope for the best. Well, he's going for blood now, right? He's like streetful people now. The mansion. Yeah. So inside, there's the mention of he's going to be assimilated. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the references that that came. Like for me, I instantly thought Star Trek, and I'm yes. not a Star Trek guy. Those are the Borgs, Borg. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is which it just Borg or Borgs? The Borg. The Borg. Okay, because it's a hive. Thing. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Sure. Yeah, I'm not a Star Trek person either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Resistance is futile. Yep. That's the that's the line. Oh, there's another. Oh, there is what? a li- there is a line where they say resistance is futile. There's there's a line from Stormfront that I remembered as a reference, but I didn't know. But I, I, yeah, I knew the Resistance is Futile one from this one. So Beast tries to pick up a sample from the blown out room mm-hmm. and it just eats the tray instead. I, I would have just moved to a remote island at that point. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Rod just has the fuck everybody else mentality at the end of the world. Yeah, well, we've discussed this before. Like, it, you know, we've, not that we've experienced things in the last few it's years. It's not like we've lived through it. But if there's actually a, you know, society... Like infrastructure actually goes down. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of the survivor stories. I'm like the third corpse you pass on the pan over of the city. <laughs> and it says three hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shockingly, dudes in hazmat suits arrive, but Beast noticed that there was no trucks to get them yeah. there. Apparently the fence is up right now, so they finally have a secure facility on right. the inside. <laughs> they just brought the, the hazard in with them. Yeah. As he starts to run, they transform. They basically fuse into one, the phalanx again. Then he runs in and grabs Logan's Jeep. And you see that there is a, a phalanx on the jerry can on the back of the Jeep. Okay, that's what that's called. I just said fuel tank. <laughs> yeah, when it's when it's something that's removable, it, yeah. I believe the terminology is a jerry can. Is that for spare fuel? Yeah. Or just anything? Yeah, yeah, spare fuel. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. A couple of years ago when people were going to the gas station and filling up everything... You're supposed to use a jerry can because it's like anti-static and yeah. stuff like that. You're not supposed to use 
laundry baskets. Okay, I was gonna, okay with the holes. Favorite, garbage bags. My favorite one was the tarp in the truck bed. That one's really good, but I think the garbage the garbage, garbage bag is my personal yeah, favorite. Yeah, people don't understand how like how corrosiveness or anything like you said static or any of that stuff works. Nothing. Do your own research. <laughs> so he drives past the phalanx. Inside the truck or in the Jeep, Warlock reveals himself and Hank is understandably freaked out because he can't tell the difference at this point. This is a brand new threat that he's known about for maybe four minutes. So Warlock did not do any research on how to like not startle someone you're trying to become friends with. Warlock has done no research of any kind. He's like, oh, he's driving the car now. Now's the time to reveal myself. But he basically tells Hank to accelerate and literally like pushes down on Hank's foot, (laughs) which... For anybody who's listening to the show but has not watched the episode, which now we know those people exist because of Joe Russo. Or it's just Joe. He basically has, like, stretchy powers is the first thing we see from him. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's it's not like just, oh, I'm reaching over and putting my my foot down. He's like, he could bend around shit and get into, like, an area that would be tight. Because that would be really hard in a regular car to reach across and put your foot on somebody's yeah. foot like that. I kind of chalked him up to like, what are the Fantastic Four's outfits made of? Like unstable molecules or yeah. whatever. So it's like, yeah, because he doesn't require like an internal or- organ system. <laughs> right. He's a bunch of unstable molecules, yeah. basically. There are lots of things in Marvel that are are stretchy, that aside from the Fantastic Four's outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scrawls. Yeah, it's just it's like a way to explain cartoon logic, but still have it be cool. <laughs> no. Quote unquote cool. At that point, the front gate turns into the phalanx and Warlock turns into a glider and they're able to make it over. It's such a 90s like solution, isn't it? It's a 90s solution that I'm shocked didn't specifically have a toy made for it. Oh, that is true. Because yeah. it is very much that is toy logic. Yeah. That never got made into a toy. That Yeah, that would be a thing where, like, you get the glider, and that's the only way you could get the Beast action figure or something. Is it comes with the glider, yeah. the Warlock glider. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, a special edition Beast that's, like, one thing's a different color. The one from FAO Swartz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when we get a little bit of our exposition dump. We find out Warlock was the heir apparent to, to his the empire of the Phalanx, and you get a flashback, and basically their whole society is whatever they can, they assimilate, and whatever they can't, they destroy. He and his life mate fled, not wanting to to be a conqueror. So they get on a ship, and then like everything in the X-Men universe, <laughs> the ship gets shot, and it lands on Earth. Which is further proof that Earth is that neighborhood in the universe. Earth is just the dumping ground That's what in I mean, the though. universe. It's yeah. that neighborhood like where you break down, and then you <laughs> you don't open, you, you lock your doors. <laughs> Yeah, you wait until it's really, really bright out before you go. So he says that men came and they took the ship. That is actually where you see the Joe's Calamari truck a second time. Gotcha. Because it's it's kind of like the whole like men in black scenario Uh where there's not going to be a big black truck that says men in black. They would use something that would be innocuous and people wouldn't think too much about it. So would this potentially have been the same truck before? I had not thought about it, but I think that's a solid theory Mm -hmm. because... If Sabretooth is ripping out of the truck. Then is that when he gets infected or, or, or it's he's, just, he's aware of it? Or or at the very least, whenever Sabretooth got infected, this truck got planted Oh yeah by by okay. by the, the to, phalanx. To, to like bait the X-Men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Good job, Rob. <laughs> See, I High five. That was that was like I accidentally pay attention sometimes. Yeah, that was solid. <laughs> 
I love that you, 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 but here's the credit to you. You came up with that on the spot because you didn't even know that was a Joe's Calamari. No, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize that. So they take the ship, they took the life mate, and it's revealed that the phalanx followed. Off camera, the phalanx at one point absorbed the life mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because, because yeah. remember, she got War, Warlock and life mate crashed with the ship. Uh-huh. The phalanx was what shot them down. So at some point, from the crash, when they're getting the life mate, the phalanx came and mm-hmm. must have just followed her signal first because it was closer yeah. than Warlock. And then that goes through. And then basically, you know, Warlock apologizes because he brought this to, to Beast's home. Yeah, which is, yeah. At least he acknowledges <laughs> yeah. he fucked up. So they they realize. Oh, yeah. And then he says his name is Warlock. Or not his name. His title is Warlock. Yes. I forgot about it. Yeah. Yep. He's, oh, yeah. Warlock which, is his title. Which yes. is, yeah, was an interesting distinction because it's like. I guess it's a nitpicky thing, but also if you don't have names, like we're presuming they don't have names in their society, yeah. then your title would be your name. It's like how you're dressed, I guess. So I don't know. This is a good nitpicky thing for me. <laughs> That's definitely a nitpicky yeah. thing. I will agree. <laughs> well, because basically the way that it gives the impression in the episode is that the phalanx itself is the larger entity. Yeah, yeah. You're not necessarily born into the entity, mm-hmm. but at some point as you mature, like it, it's probably like one of those scenarios of like go out, gather information, gather experience, and then it absorbs you. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. you're adding to the collective consciousness rather than them just replicating you immediately in because mm-hmm. then you haven't been additive. So like ChatGPT. So Beast wants to examine them, so they go to the hospital where Beast had worked on Carly. Oh yeah, the eye place. Yep, the eye clinic. And then I when- gestured to my eye like everybody could see. You did. <laughs> Remember, Rod, one episode before this is over, we need to do it on yeah. video. And Beast is a little nervous about Warlock, so, you know, gives some sort of indication. And Warlock is, oh, okay, no problem. He just turns into a regular person. Like, oh, yeah, no yeah. problem whatsoever. Yeah, because he's like, good thing nobody else is here. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and Warlock doesn't understand why his appearance would bother people. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought that was cool because it was like. I think I look good. It's Well, it's, it's just super innocent. It's like, well, yeah. why should it bother people? Yeah. Well, this is the 90s. <laughs> And you're in America. <laughs> and it's gotten worse. So they do a little bit of experimentation. They see that it is a rapid assimilation with metal. It's slower, but still works for non-metals. Mm-hmm. But there is something about the mutant genome that is just completely immune to it. Yeah, yeah. Because they, because they said humans are almost as fast as metal or right. whatever. But still slower. And Warlock takes it back and it kind of like snaps to him. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Beast realizes the electromagnetic connection within it and starts putting two and two together of like, oh, that's how it was able to go through the wall sockets. That's how it was able to, you know, go into the fence and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, which in our world, being able to absorb metal to make yourself bigger and stronger, you're going to be big and strong pretty effing quick. I was going to say like, this would have been over in like two hours (laughs) if it happened right now in the real world. And Rod, you wrote down what the explanation was that he gave around the the speed that it happens. Oh, is this... Yeah, Beast figures out it's electromagnetic, and they're able to assimilate in proportion to the electrical conductivity yep. of the material. So that's why, yeah, like the metal and stuff. So what would happen to Colossus by that rule? Oh, man. And that's weird, too, because he goes back and forth between human tissue and metal. So, like, wow. I mean, I know Colossus has had the legacy virus, mm-hmm. but I don't know if there's ever been an attempt from a phalanx to absorb him in the comics. So, you know, that's, that's another interesting question. John, look that up for Instagram. Because, you know, later on they talk about, you know, infecting Wolverine's bones mm-hmm. and stuff. 
so that's the inside out. What would it be like to be trapped inside your own skin that's possessed? When your own skin is metal. Yeah. yeah. Like if you're only your skin's possessed, but like the internal tissue. Well, I guess you eventually be, but like if your outside gets possessed. Yeah. Before that. Oh. <laughs> I will. I will do some digging by the time this episode airs. And if I find an instance with Colossus and the phalanx having some sort of interaction that will get thrown on the Instagram. Oh, very cool. Yep. Beast goes to President Kelly. President Kelly is like basically like this is not a secure line, which if there's anybody who should have a secure line <laughs> by default, like it should be that guy. Yeah. So Beast does not see this as a red flag. And President Kelly says he's going to send the helicopter for them both. Warlock is, you know, it's kind of like the innocence of him not understanding human interaction. Mm -hmm. He's actually the one to pick up on it. Like, well, why would he say both? Because he only talked to you. Yeah. And and also because he's like kind of the phalanx is more like a data driven kind of society. So it's very semantic. Yeah. So he's like both childlike or kind of naive. Right. But also data driven. So he's like, he's really smart, but he doesn't have the social cues. Yeah. Yeah. Much like me sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot of times I accidentally insult people. It's like, why would you say that if you do this and this? It's like, Rod. Yeah. Just let me have this. Like, oh, sorry. That wasn't meant. <laughs> so Beast and Warlock know that they need to get out of there. Beast is getting a little bit like hopeless in his reaction. And they, they realize that they need to get some help. So they reaches out to Forge. Been a hot minute since we've seen him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for, well, modern era Forge. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, we haven't seen him since the X-Factor episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not old or like wimpy cyborg. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, a part of that comes from the fact that Beast is an expert in genetics, but this is obviously biomechanical. Yeah. So who else other than the guy who is part cybernetic? And I love how Forge is like, well, this can't be good whenever the X-Men call. <laughs> I mean, that I, I had an ongoing joke for a while when if HR ever hit me up on Slack mm-hmm. and they're like, hi, John, I would respond with, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, everything's okay. And I'm like, you guys know you're the Grim Reaper no matter what company it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I saw a TikTok of this woman who was like, so HR walked into my office and just put a box of tissues on my desk and left. And I don't know what that means. I was like, oh, my God, I'm glad I don't work at an office. So... The solution that Warlock presents is he is at least able to tell in person if somebody is his life mate. Yeah. But but it wasn't if it was the phalanx in general, if he wasn't actively scanning for it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. You can sense the part. Yeah. It's right. Interesting, it's interesting. But it, but, it, but it felt like it needed to be active. Like he had to be checking for it. Yeah. So we then cut over to the spire where you get like, that was we're the we're seeing the gross heads inside there for the first time, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's clearly the Empire State Building. <laughs> oh, it's definitely the Empire State Building. They formally call it that in the next episode yeah, yeah. too. But you see, like the heads, and this was only because of the comic book knowledge did I remember that the main head was Cameron Hodge. I recognized him for, as being a previous character, but I didn't know until he said it later. From on. the Genosha episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I didn't know that that was him until he said it later in this okay. part. Got it. Got it. Yep. But yeah, they're they're basically trying to figure out why the X factor is preventing the assimilation. And, you know, they're you get their MO finally said, which is getting rid of random genetic reproduction. Mm-hmm. So which is it, I, I, this had to be on purpose. But I love that it's like Sinister was one of the first victims to this because it's his like <laughs> prerogative as well. 
oh, yeah. and someone else is like doing it more than him. <laughs> well, the funny thing about Sinister is Sinister is not necessarily anti-random genetic reproduction. Mm-hmm. He is the, I'm going to perfect it, but I'm going to perfect it through chaos. Yeah. Like, it, there, there's a version of Sinister in the comics where he just experiments on top of experiments on top of experiments. So he gets these awful like chimeras of people's powers and like mm-hmm. certain generations of them are just total failures and it's just like Ugh. gross test tubes of like stuff in pain like that very like yeah, yeah. sci-fi horror trope whereas they are like we're just gonna end it and there's nothing that is random yeah yeah where sinister is that because he's the evil scientist <laughs> he accepts random as long as it benefits him they arrive at sid's grill which was the name of the venue Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I also love Warlock is like telescoping his eyes. And I love the beast is like, please stop doing this. Please don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. He's going and he's checking out. And as he's doing it, we see who is obviously sinister. They were very specific with the phrasing, which I appreciated. Because instead of saying it's human or it's a mutant, they just said fully biological. Yeah. Because we still I, I still don't know completely what sinister is. He's a mutant. Yeah. But I mean, like. It feels like the, the mutant has done something else to him. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's he's fucked with his own genetics, yeah. no doubt. He's a genetic mad scientist, but he is absolutely a mutant. Mm-hmm. At the at the base level, he is a mutant. So I love that the hat and trench coat, though, like carried over to him as well as the disguise. <laughs> yeah, you go inside and you see Forge with Quicksilver, and they mention that they they have seen the base guards acting strangely. And we haven't seen Quicksilver in a little while either. Same X Factor episode, yeah. or, or sorry, no, we would have seen no, him more recently in the uh, Magneto episode. Yeah, the secret one of the secret baby episodes. <laughs> one of the many secret baby episodes <laughs> in the series of five episodes in a row that were secret baby episodes. Yeah, and I was already surprised to see Forge, and then it made sense, but I was really surprised to see Quicksilver in this episode. The only thing about Quicksilver, and I guess when you have Beast walking around, it's not as like outlandish. He's in a fucking bright aqua suit. Like he's, he does not blend into shit. Yeah, he he wants to be known. Yeah, (laughs) it it is nowhere near as subtle as the Quicksilver from the MCU Avengers movie, where it's like, it hits his color scheme, but those are all actually like realistic functional clothes that he's wearing. Yeah, and it's also not like like chrome. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they're, they're kind of arguing and trying to figure out like what they should do about it. At that point, a mob basically shows up at the door and at first I was like, oh, is that just the regular anti-mutant mob? Right. Because there were like one or two people who were in Friends of Humanity gear. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was like I, one I or two of the... That, that tracks. It's, it's not the, the military Friends of Humanity, but like the biker gear yeah. Friends of Humanity. There were like one or two in that grouping. Because they, they, they like to do like the diverse group of character models for yeah. that shot. I also love in my like headcanon that like, oh, these were like the easiest group to infiltrate. <laughs> a secretary and a bigot. Yeah. <laughs> but you start to see the coil arms pop out. Beast turns and asks the waitress if there is a back door. And then the waitress turns out to also be a phalanx. Warlock can scan, but he has to be actively doing no it because he didn't realize that the waitress was one. Yeah, that makes sense. And then it was the waitress turns into his life partner briefly. I at first, I thought that that was because that specifically was her. But I'm get I, later on, I figure out like I guess the whole thing is a hive, so they can kind of interchange between each other. Right. Is that the idea. And so they just turned into her for that moment to kind of maybe intimidate him. I don't think it was intimidation. I think it was she the was assimilation her. had not 
fully taken grasp. Mm, okay. So there was like a moment of weakness and she took it. Yeah, like it it hurt it and it tried to pop out and then it got reabsorbed back into the consciousness gotcha. kind of scenario. But it's a brief glimpse. The mob starts to break in. Everybody runs out. Oh, before everybody runs out, the waitress rips off the metal part of Forge's leg. Oh yeah, that was brutal, man. It was I, great. I, yeah, it was great. I don't know if we've seen that in a Saturday morning cartoon, like a dismemberment of a limb. So the only part that it's not, I would say is not a dismemberment, it's a disassembly. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's the reason we could see it. Yeah, no, of right. course. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it's still kind of weird because you saw like the ends of tubes. Well, like, those like, are like the connections yeah. and shit, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that must be like where the organic stuff starts yeah. connecting. I love though because of what they as we're doing hand motions on right. a podcast, <laughs> and I love what they established with Warlock in the previous scenes. That I was like, even as a kid, just like, oh, I know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, but they're able to to fight back. They're able to get out. They run out the back, and then Beast blows it up with multiple grenades this time. Yeah, he, he's given he's given up. <laughs> So this is where it's like, okay, you don't know if these people can be reverted or not back yet. And you're blowing shit up. That's a good point. Yeah, because they're they're not zombies. You don't know. They're, they're, we don't know they are dead and have no way of reincarnating yeah. yet. Yeah, like that they're just gone. Which is very on brand for the modern take of Beast, by the way. <laughs> really? Okay. The modern take of Beast, I could go on a fucking tangent and a half, but he's almost as evil as sinister that is wild because in in my head beast i'm only i mainly know beast from this and like one movie with kelsey Grammer. the modern version of beast in the comics is an ends justifies the means character which tracks with this because he's done three things right now that's killed like multiple people yeah tons of people are dead because of beast <laughs> when they're outside forge is, is saying to go on without him yeah, and quicksilver ran away well, yeah, Quicksilver ran to go get the car. Warlock doesn't want to leave him behind, so he turns into Forge's leg. Which is awesome. Which is a great moment, and that is really reflective of the comic book version of Warlock like integrating himself into, especially the character Doug Ramsey, okay, I'm not one of the other New Mutants, okay. whose power is essentially understanding any language. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's... Like a useful power. <laughs> he's, I get... We, we somehow have to figure out how to get you to read comic books, Rob. But yeah, he, he integrates in, becomes the leg. Uh, at that point, Quicksilver runs out to the front, gets a very ugly van for being a government employee. But sadly for Quicksilver, the front tail lights are glowing with Phalanx power. And then once he's inside it, which is I think the only way you would probably ever be able to capture Quicksilver is he already needs to be inside something. Good point. And this version of Quicksilver is a much more toned down version, you know, the the co- or of the comics especially, or even, you know, what we see in the X-Men movies, you know, him being able to, you know, Almost literally stroll past bullets like Sonic the Hedgehog style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is more like 10 or 15X, like a human running or something. Yeah, he's still going very, very fast, but he is not, he is not at the level of the Flash. Yeah. And I, th- I, I think it was literally around the time when the Flash TV show started to come out that there was like, this level up of Quicksilver's powers in the comics. I I do think the Flash show pushed for him to level up further. That makes me feel a little bit better, though, because, well, in The Boys, who's that character? A-Train. 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 Because, you know, not to 
spoil anything directly, but like a train, you know, injures or kills a lot of people just by running or whatever because of speed. And so like with Quicksilver, not having that level of speed is more believable that he's not just constantly killing people running around the city. <laughs> well, the thing that always stood out to me with, with Quicksilver is when you looked at the trading cards, mm-hmm. the people who had cosmic levels of speed, like the Silver Surfer was always a seven. Quicksilver was always a six. Oh, okay. If you looked at the modern version of him, where he's literally able to fall into the moments in between time, yeah, he's definitely a seven. Like he's right. <laughs> he's he's nearly like speed force variables of it. Yeah, but but in the eighties, nineties, he was not on the same level as the Flash was. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, you know, we get a reveal that they're sinister, and we get a little bit of fighting as he makes the save. He calls for his ship. And then we get, you know, the classic like, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they they grab onto the ladder and Beast like hesitated for a second to say that quote. It's like, you know what, just just grab it, Beast. Maybe don't pontificate right, right now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we don't need quotes right now. Yeah. So the coils from the phalanx on the ground aren't able to reach and they're able to get away. And then luckily for them, because it's sinister, his biological jet is able to actually have like computers and stuff like that that they could work while they're up there. And they basically put together a viral model that says, cool, within four days, 76% of the population is going to be matched. You know, and even, even and they even mentioned like, and that's just based on our own knowledge. Right. It, we don't... it could absolutely be worse. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because the, the viral model means there needs to be some form of contact. Mm-hmm. not something running itself independently of the contact. Yeah. But they realize that there's limited range of control and they need to figure out where it's transponding from. And you realize that that's the spire that we saw earlier. And then the, the episode ends. And I think this is really where they, like, I don't know if they knew, but the fact that this was the episode ends, you're going right into your next part of the to, to be continued for at least the premiere of it. Thank God, because that's a horrible way to end the episode of <laughs> your world is doomed. End of episode, you have to wait a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. This is the beginning of the final season, so that's probably why I was the double header. Yeah, to, to premiere, to kick into. it in the ass kind of scenario. Yeah. yeah. No, this was a cool episode. I Like I said, I don't, I didn't remember anything specific about it other than Warlock from this character design stuff. It yeah. It was a cool one to watch. Yeah. A lot of stuff happened without there being a lot. Of, how do I explain it? There's not a lot of fighting. Yeah. yeah, and there's also a lot of story without there being like a lot of like over-explaining right. stuff. I'm going to read a quote that I thought was really awesome from previously on X-Men, the making of an anime series from Eric Leewall. Till I rewatched this later episode, I've forgotten how tight, well-made, and complex it truly is. Many of our best episodes were small stories featuring a limited cast, simpler to manage and enjoy. Some of our weaker stories throw in too many characters to appreciate and end up becoming messy. This two-parter has a huge cast, but no one feels extraneous. No padded action. Every character, good, bad, and alien, contributes just what it needs to, nicely in character, and Beast and his sympathetic hero in spite of himself friend Warlock hold it all together in a true buddy movie fashion. I thought this was awesome. And he he literally says here, I can see why Fox aired both parts together to start off the 96 season with a bang. That's true. It... It made sense because you know how there's always the joke about the early Star Wars, like the first set of Star Wars movies and stuff. It's like, oh, there's only eight important people in the entire universe or whatever. I mean, based on current lore, there's only 12. So, yeah. yeah. So, like with the X-Men, it's not that these are the only people in the universe, but it makes sense. This crew makes sense that 
like if there anybody was going to survive this like weird techno virus yeah. apocalypse thing not the apocalypse but and anyway, apocalyptic yeah apocalyptic yeah. event exactly what he said just it, it 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 made sense for this crew to be together and have survived to this point and then for people to be picked off yeah when they got picked off and eric also mentions early on in this story you know it's going to be different and special because of stuff like the x-men getting picked off early like yeah. they're literally like dropped down to one team member by the halfway mark of this episode and then you know seeing like what you were talking about Something must be really effing dangerous if Sinister sounds panicked and it's legitimate. Not only that the X-Men all got picked off and there's only one member left, it's Beast. Not not, not to downplay him, but like, what a wild pick for like the, a sole survivor. The one who from a power perspective would be on the lower end of the spectrum. Yeah. Like you you obviously have with Beast his intelligence and in, that has nothing to do with his mutation. Like his acrobatics are part of what helped him escape, but... He's not he's not the strongest in a fight, yeah. at least in this iteration of him. I think amongst that group that was in the mansion when that happened, the only other person that would surprise me more would have been like Jubilee surviving. Right. Other than that, it's just like, wow, I, I could see anybody else. But those like these two is like, oh, interesting pick. But but if you have your hope for humanity, do you really want to put it on the, the teenager? Yeah, no, no, I don't want her to be yeah. like that's why it was like either of them. But, but Beast is like it's an interesting pick because like it, it would have been easy to have been like, oh, Wolverine survives. Now we're going to follow him on the mission because I feel like that's the default to him for everything else, you know? Right. Not, not just in the animated series, but just X-Men. I mean, that's that's a part of why Wolverine, for a little bit of time, lost his luster is he was mm-hmm. in everything. Yeah. You look at like 2006, 2007 Marvel, he was in his solo books, X-Men books, and he was one of the new Avengers. <laughs> okay. He was an Avenger too. So there, the the Michael, Brian Michael Bendis run called the New Avengers, which was after the Avengers disassembled and Scarlet Witch killed a bunch of people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He was a core group of that temporary Avengers team yeah. before Cap, Iron Man, and Thor would all eventually come back. Mm, gotcha. yeah. We're going to be back, obviously, next week with part two of this. Rod, any f- closing thoughts on part one here? I will say, aside from what I got out of previously on in the Joe Calamari reference, these episodes have very few trivia tidbits coming out of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much story that happened in it. Right, but but usually yeah. we get like... A lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, we get more Easter eggs. We get more references. I don't know if, if maybe because it's the latter seasons that the people who are like gung-ho on all the wiki entries and stuff like that just like chilled and slowed down on it. Yeah. But all the standard go-to resources that I go and, and do a little bit of extra digging on... There wasn't. So many people probably given up on the fifth season. <laughs> but like I said, this one never felt like fifth season to me. It doesn't. Actually, I'll say this batch that we were recording today, the first four episodes yeah. of the fifth season are the only normal ones. Mm-hmm. And we will actually get to that in a future episode. Thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram post, or go argue with Rod on TikTok, <laughs> who still isn't telling me what he's saying to people. And if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartMedia Podcast Network, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and I think it's still around by CastBox. Okay. I'm just never going to remove it. Don't get absorbed before next week. Literally says assimilate. Assimilate.